Howdy, I'm your host, Captain Rob Modis. Welcome to Catch You Outdoors, presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network at waypointtv.com. Besides doing podcasts, I'm also a published author. Bridge to Paradise, a book of short stories about travel, fishing, and life in the slow lane is available on Amazon Kindle. And so is what I know about fishing Southwest Florida, an in-depth book about fishing the waters from Pine Island Sound south to the 10,000 Islands. Book three's on the way. Title's been changed once again. <laughs> Take a Kid Fishing, an adult's guide for introducing youngsters to the world of angling. The initial edits are complete. The rewrite's underway. Photos and cover is in process. Yay. Today's episode is 51, titled Just Fishing. I do that every now and then. I've had, um, you know, random thoughts and random this and something about fishing here and there, but I thought today I'd just do a, you know, just fishing. Uh, so instead of mixing it all up, I got to thank a fellow angler uh, for giving me a call this week. Uh, Barry and I sort of refer to these calls as, as checkup calls. Um, some of you may know that I've been fighting the beast cancer for the past seven years, and I recently had one of my own checkups at the cancer center. Everything's okay. I'm doing pretty well. Barry was checking in on me. We talked about that a bit a bit because Barry's had his own issues, but we don't dwell on that. Instead, we both start talking, um, you guessed it, fishing. I mean, what else calms our souls better than fishing? Yeah, some of you understand. Well, maybe the beach. I like the beach a lot. <laughs> it also calms my soul. That and a good book. Anyhow, when I hung up with him, I, I thought to myself, it's been a while since I just did one that was just fishing. So, uh, so here you go. My initial thought, falls on the way. Not here in the Keys, but falls on the way in a lot of other places. I, I have a great many friends and a great many um, past customers from charter trips who live up north. And I follow them on Facebook and Instagram and, and I see their posts and um, I've seen campfires. I've seen um, more clothes than usual. Um, obviously, pro football started uh, officially this this past weekend. Uh, I'm doing this on Monday morning, so this was Sunday, and so you know all those are signs that here it comes. Um, and uh, but even down here, there's changes. Uh, days are getting shorter. Um, the sunsets are beautiful, and the sunrises are beautiful right now. We've still got an awful lot of um, storm clouds around in the morning, especially in the morning. Some in the afternoon, but quite a few in the morning off the Atlantic and. It gives the sky this really beautiful, warm, orangey glow in the morning. Um, breeze is down a little bit. It's been up and down, but it's down more. As we move into September, late September, things get a little weird with the hurricane season, but so far we've been extremely lucky. But fall is in the air, as I like to say. Um, you don't notice it here because it's still 95 degrees during the day and like 84 at night, but, um, but it's getting there. And I think the fish feel it too. I know for a fact that uh, the southwest coast of Florida will certainly have the first batch of, oh gosh, here it comes. Uh, for me, anyway, that that that's the place that I am most familiar with, and I think that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start over in, in in the southwest area. Water's cooling down a little bit, not much. They've had some rain, and the rain helps cool it off. Um, tides are up. Uh, we've got some. Uh, 
king tides actually all the way till I think the big tide in the middle of November is a king tide. So some serious high tides. Um, I saw a video from uh, Sterile River. Yeah, it was the Sterile River. Sterile River Outfitters was doing something with some of the new kayak stuff that they've just gotten in and a new boat they got. Um, and uh, they had take the they took the pictures right off of their dock uh, behind the place. You know, it's it's right next to US forty one, and the Estero River runs under there. And and they're just to the I see they'd be on the east side of the uh, of the road, and the water was over the dock, uh, the little the dock that you walk down to to put your kayak in the water in. And I was like, wow, water is way up. So the king tides are definitely happening. Uh, water's moving, and and it's it's you know what's happening now is it's it takes a while for the moon and sun to get into adjustment for fall. The sun is now falling toward the um, southern horizon as it falls further and further. Things get colder and colder up north, and cooler and cooler in Florida. It also pulls the water with it. So for the time being, into November, you're going to have some really high water, and then once the sun gets lower on the horizon near December 21st, the first day of winter. Um, you'll start to have uh, um, less and less water. The water will start to go away. And so that's kind of what's happening right now. We're in that transition phase. Um, still warm, still soupy, uh, humidity-wise, but the fish know. They do. They, they absolutely know. Something Barry and I were talking about. We're talking about black drum. You know, that's, that's my winter fish. Uh, I like going after it on the West Coast in the wintertime. I, I, don't, really, I don't really go after them in the summer. Or not even really so much in the fall, although they they can be caught. And and the conversation came up because when Barry and I talk, we typically talk about old times. We talk about like there was a a, a um, black drum trip we did <laughs> probably fifteen years ago now. Gosh, Moses, I can't believe it's been that long. But um, in Matlache Pass, where there were hundreds of them um, all around us, and and the funny the the way the story goes originally was. I don't even know if it was me or Barry. It might have been Barry that did the first spotting, but we were in the boat and we we're cruising up Matt Lachey. This was just a you know, guide's day off, just doing a little fishing together. And I go up there with him, and and uh, I, we saw we saw some tailing fish. And um, and I think I commented the fact that there's no way that can be tailors because this particular area we're looking at right now in Matt Lachey on the eastern side of Matt Lachey Pass was um, three feet deep. Two and a half to three feet. There's no way in the world that's a redfish tailing right there. At least that was my brain. And we quietly went up with the trolling motor, dropped the trolling motor in, and quietly went over and took a look. And it was black drum uh, with. So we're talking a three to four foot long black drum with huge tails. And what a fun morning! <laughs> we actually caught them on artificial. That was the crazy thing. We we didn't bring bait that day. We were tossing soft plastics and stuff like that in the bushes, which is typically what we would do when we're you know, hunting for reds. And that's actually what we were doing that day was hunting for reds on the eastern side of Matt Lachey. And um, lo and behold, there they were. And eventually we hooked up with, I think we hooked up with three or four altogether and lost every single one of them. They were, they were huge. I mean, they were, we were grossly under tackled. Um, I've caught one, I caught a 79 pounder. No, 70, I take that back, 73 pounder in Matt Lachey Pass. Um, that's the largest black drum I've ever seen come to the boat. Um, so there's some really, really big ones in there certain times of the year. Um, yeah, so look for that when it cools off. I mean, I would I would highly suggest cruising the east side of Matt Lachey Pass and taking a, a serious look when we start to get into probably, I would guess, late October. On the west coast of Florida, 
in the in the Lee County area. So we're talking Charlotte Harbor, south down into uh, um, you know toward Naples. The water in that area um, cools off pretty dramatically, pretty quickly when the weather changes. And usually we get our first cool weather around um, Halloween. Uh, it's not unusual actually to get a, our first front, you know, like right in the middle of October, sometimes early, right around the 11th, 10th or 11th of October. And if that cool down happens, that's when you want to go. I mean, you really do. That, that first shock to the system seems to really work to get the fish going. The water's not cold enough for them to run from it by any means, but it drops the temperature a few degrees and that gets them pretty excited. So that's what we talked about. We were talking about what to throw at them. Uh, shrimp. <laughs> if you really want to catch a black drum, get you a jig head and put shrimp on it. I'm pretty partial to golden jig heads or brown jig heads, something that's that's kind of earthy colored. I, I don't usually use bright stuff, um, white or chartreuse or anything like that. Just just something that, you know, looks like dirt. And uh, the drum are very, very receptive to shrimp. They, they love crustaceans. That's what they're all about. And so you'll, you'll probably do pretty well. I guess the best tip I can give you, and Barry and I talked about this, is that uh, they can be hard to find, but once found, patience pays. Let's put it that way. Um, once found, stick the area, stick to the area and keep working it. And you'll probably get two or three, sometimes four, all in the same pocket. And you may fish the pockets within 15, 20, 25 feet and not raise a bite. But when you hit the one spot, it's it usually goes pretty well. They also like to live back under the mangrove. So, you know, I have caught them out in the open. I've caught them in like little cuts and things back on the eastern side of uh, Stero Bay and, of course, in Pine Island Sound up in the northeastern parts of Pine Island Sound and, and obviously Mount Lachey Pass. But they, but they tend to really prefer to be back under like an edge or an overhang, if you will. And I found, uh, for those of you that are hunting for black drum, I found edges work the best. In other words, um, mangrove edges, uh, to me, they come in two forms. They're either like, you know, like uh, roots are real far apart, kind of like your hand, if you just hold your hand like a claw. And the fish can swim into that and move all around in that, but it but it, it maintains that all the way back into the deep mangrove. And then you have the ones I call a wall, where the roots are so tight together, they form literally a wall of mangrove root that most larger fish can't get through or swim through. Little guys can, but the big guys can't. That's where I tend to find the black drum the most. Uh, they'll sit right on the outside of those walls, usually in three to four, sometimes five feet of water. Those walls can be quite quite deep compared to the rest of mangrove that we fish on the west coast of Florida. And so that's really what you're hunting for. And then shrimp, fresh shrimp, fresh live shrimp. I'll take the tail off and, and pin them on a jig head backwards and then toss them as close as possible to those walls. And then don't move it. Leave it alone. A lot of times moving around uh, won't work. They don't respond well to other cut fish. They don't care for ladyfish. I mean, I'm not going to say you have, I haven't caught one by accident. I have. Um, live bait, they'll they'll hit it every now and then. But what they really, really like is a, is a nice fresh shrimp thrown right up in the bushes. So fall's coming. That's one to look for. Sea trout will really start moving around. Um, a, on the out, open grass flats, um, as a, especially as the days get uh, shorter and the and the air cools, you'll get a lot of sea trout moving out onto the flats. Um, some that have been in the passes and some that have been around on the beach sides will start to move inshore and come inside of the, of the uh, bays. Um, 
I don't have any real special areas for sea trout. They're kind of everywhere. Um, I suggest that you just fish hard for them. Uh, around the Sanibel Bridges is usually pretty good. Inside of Mount Lachey Pass, is right after you roll inside of Big Carlos Pass, those big open flats in there, you usually find sea trout in there, especially in the back. Um, you know, it just it's uh, popping cork time. When when you get into fall, the cork works really really well. I mean, I I use it in the summer too, but I prefer like a, a fall winter fishing for using popping corks. And I do a lot of artificial fishing, and I recommend that. Um, DOA makes fantastic artificial shrimp that you can hang under a cork. So does um, uh, Gulp. And there are other manufacturers out there now, Live Target. A lot of people have got really great-looking shrimp. So match the hatch. You know, find something that looks similar to what's in the water and do it that way. The rules just changed on redfish. If you're not aware of it, you, well, if you're fishing, you probably already are. It happened about a mm, week ago, two weeks ago now, I guess. Um, redfish is open now in uh, southwest Florida. It was closed for a long time. Uh, so you can take one per person per day, uh, two per boat. So if there's four of you fishing on a boat, you're only allowed two redfish between all four or five or six of you. So keep that in mind. Uh, slot limit's the same. The only thing that changed was the boat bag. Everything else is, is pretty similar. Um, there's some controversy. There should be. Redfish are doing quite well. They're making a pretty, st- I'd say they're making a pretty decent comeback. Now, remember, I haven't fished the west coast of Florida in a year, but the people that I've talked to have, and they said things are doing pretty well. If you want dinner, I kind of get it. Um, but there's so many other fish out there uh, that you can target, especially in the fall season, uh, that'll you know, fit the bill. <laughs> I, you know, when fall rolls around, sheepshead start moving in. That's something I, man, I love sheepshead. Sheepshead's a very tasty fish. Not much fun to clean the daggone things, but they're very tasty. But yeah, you need to know redfish is open. They they made a special uh, closing of snook. They they originally announced it was going to be snook and reds have opened. The season basically opened again as it as it would on September one for snook. And then enough people, thank you people, said, what? <laughs> no, no, no. Leave them alone for right now, would you? We're just getting to the point now where we're getting a really nice snook. We're, you know, we're finding them in all the places where they used to be. Um, it's, you know, it's really making a huge difference. And we don't, we don't need um, snook open right now. So can you please keep it closed? And they did. By some miracle... I don't know how. So Snook is still closed in that that zone, which is hard to describe. It's it's north of Lee County, up up in the Charlotte Harbor area, all the way down to Naples. Uh, no, I'll call it northern Naples. Um, but anyway, this check it on a chart. Make sure you know what you're doing. You cannot take Snook right now in those waters. And they're talking about reviewing it again in December, I think. So we'll we'll see what happens then. Let's move. Let's go east, way east, east coast, where I used to live. <laughs> it's funny to think that I have bounced all over Florida. When I came back to Florida, uh, post-Coast Guard, post-Louisville, Kentucky days, I came back to Miami. From Miami, I went up to Fort Lauderdale. From Fort Lauderdale, I went over to Fort Myers. From Fort Myers, I came back to Fort Lauderdale, and now I'm in the Florida Keys, and I grew up in Clearwater. So I grew up in the Tampa Bay area in Clearwater. So, But the east coast is interesting, um, way, way different. It was a big learning curve for me. Beach fishing is really big. That's what people do, and that's what's coming up. Um, 
you need to be aware that the mullet run is is on the verge. If it hadn't started, I'm not there anymore. I'm not where I can walk out to the beach every other day and take a look. But I understand that things are happening, that the mullet are starting to move. I even saw a pretty funny post on Facebook by one of the captains over there telling swimmers and stuff to be on the lookout because it's not a really good idea to swim amongst huge mullet schools. And I have to vouch for that. Um, Janelle and I were in the water one time with the snorkels on swimming around and it's a little scary when you got mullet and white bait and all kinds of stuff swimming around you. You know that there's big fish in there with you. So it's not a good idea to, to, uh, yeah, so you, you understand. However, for fishermen along the beach line, that's when things really get hot. And, that you know, the tarpons start to come in along their bigs. We saw some huge snook in the water. I, I mean, huge snook. These things are 40 40 plus inches to like 50 inches and there'll be three, four, five of them in a group followed by what, what, what the East coasters call smaller snook, which are in the 30, 35 inch range. The Atlantic snook are amazing. They really are. Um, and of course, as I mentioned, the tarpon, the tarpon will be out there rolling in the morning. Uh, big jacks will come crashing through because I mean, obviously they're after large food, large bait. So it's, it's quite, it's, it's quite interesting. So that's something to look forward to as the temperatures start to change, the days get shorter, the runs will start happening along the beach and you'll have two or three solid months of this where you'll be, you'll be working fish from, oh, I would say end of September, all of October, big chunk of November, you know, it's, it's pretty good. And then don't, don't forget to check in with the guys up toward Jupiter who are doing the Pompano thing, um, and they'll, they'll obviously have all kinds of reports online. So it's something I can't speak to. I don't fish that area, but, but by all means, it's something that's going to happen along the East Coast, no doubt about it. As you travel a little further down the East Coast, uh, it gets more normal, I guess you call it. For me, Biscayne Bay is, is, has always been really interesting. Crystal clear water, the chance to get bonefish permit, also tarpon. Um, Biscayne Bay is, has had some issues. The upper bay and the bay close to Miami has had some water quality issues that they, they are, they're aware of it. They're working on it. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Miami, like everywhere else, is building. I mean, that's all we do right now is build stuff. And uh, we're covering up the ground with concrete. And I was just recently over in Fort Myers, like I said, for my cancer checkup. And, you know, I was just I was just awed at the amount of building that's going on there. I, I hadn't been up. I, I purposely drove up to the northern part, up by, um, not northern, central, really, Pagefield. Um, Janelle and I are, as you all probably are, freaks about uh, Florida plants butterflies, butterfly plants, that kind of stuff. And there's a all native garden, all native garden center is up there by the airport and they, they have nothing but uh, native plants. And uh, I was sent on a mission after the, after the cancer uh, checkup to go pick up some plants and stuff for the butterflies that we have down here in the Keys. And I rode out the back way. I went down, you know, through the back of the airport, down around um, Daniels and out that way and I was just floored. I was absolutely floored at how much stuff is, is being built on places where I used to park a car behind a store and fish a lake. It ain't there anymore. I was like, holy cow. So it's a problem and everybody needs to be aware of it. Of course, we got a zillion people moving here because Florida's got good press. And when you have good press, people want to be a part of it. So I guess there's that. But uh, anyway, as you go down to Biscayne, Biscayne is one of those places. It's a tra- I, I like to think of Biscayne Bay as a transitional 
body of water. You, you were still out by the Atlantic Ocean. You're still up in the Miami area, quite frankly. I mean, there's flats up in there that you can actually fish for sea trout and stuff like that, redfish and things, uh, snook. But as you go south, it changes to more like a um, like coral. And, and you have the permit and you have the bonefish schools moving around, especially on the eastern side, way out, you know, Boca Chita, Chita, Chica, Chita, Boca Chita, south. And, you know, it's something that you really need to be aware of because those of you that have that on your bucket list to do permit and bonefish, it's a pretty good place to look. They don't get pounded real hard there. Um, hard to find, but they don't get pounded real hard there. And then, of course, you have the power plant. You have the nuclear plant down there, which creates a warm water affluent down in that one area of the bay. Now, you can't get close to the nuclear plant anymore, but you can certainly tell a difference in water temperature when you fish that area. So something to look at, something to, something to go check out. Uh, if you're moving on the East Coast. Now, while we're talking about that, I'm going to throw the freshwater in. I was going to save it for last, but I think this is probably a good place to put it because Lord knows the freshwater on the East Coast is amazing. Um, peacock bass, if you follow uh, posts from people on the West Coast of Florida, you can see that peacock now have finally moved in, especially in the Naples area north up and, oh, I, I, you know, they're all over the place, actually. We haven't had a really a serious, serious cold front yet. And if we do, that's going to knock them back quite a bit. But there's a lot of peacock now on the West Coast. However, the exotics on the East are, well, they're there. They're big. And there's a mixture of them. Uh, you know, snakeheads are something that people are really starting to target now. Clown knives, that's another one. And, and of course, the peacock. I would say that's kind of like the big three. Um Almost any freshwater impoundment on the east coast of Florida, Palm Beach County, Broward County, Miami-Dade County, and, and then inward toward the very, very eastern edges of um, uh, Lee, or, or I'm sorry, um, um, nah, Collier, more Collier County than Lee County, where they touch those counties, where, where it touches like Broward County. So your inland waters are a big surprise. I mean, that's really what it is. You don't know what you're going to get and where you're going to get it. A lot of cichlids, a lot of African cichlids, um, and things like that. Um, stuff out of South America, all kinds of stuff. People turn them loose out of their aquariums. <laughs> That's all there is to it. This has been going on for years. Uh, someone's got a, oh, I don't know, they've got something in an aquarium, and it's getting big, and it's eating everything else in the aquarium, and they go, you know, I'm turning this sucker loose. And they don't flush it down the toilet, thank goodness, but... Well, I don't know, maybe they should have. But anyway, they put it in the local water. They go out behind their house. There's a zillion canals on the East Coast. If you haven't been, there's canals everywhere in the counties. And they walk out back. They they do a local pond, a local lake, which, by the way, are also attached to the, to the waterways. And they put him in there, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and then it makes little ones. And next thing you know, you got Oscars everywhere, and you got cichlids everywhere. And anyway, so that's how it works. What to do, what to do. Fish them, catch them, go get them. Most of them are good to eat. I know it sounds weird, but you know, for a saltwater guy, I'm not real thrilled about the idea of eating freshwater fish, but you can. Um, they will eat almost any lure, which is kind of cool, except for, well, except for the snakeheads. The snakeheads are very, very uh, happy with frog imitations. So my advice is if you want to catch snakeheads, toss frogs. Uh, plastic frogs, dark in color. Well, that, that also depends on the time of year. But 
um, they tend to match hatch. So it depends on what frogs are hatching. What you know, rainy days are going to create uh, the the smaller. I, I call them green. They're green frogs with like a black spot on them, yellow underbellies. Sometimes in the winter, all you'll see are like brown. These little brown toad-like frogs that'll be on the edge of the pond. So you know, you kind of have to take a good serious look at what's there and then go with it. But if it's got frog-like legs and if it floats and you can cruise it across the edge of the the edges of the canal, the the shoreline of the canals, you're probably going to get a really nice snakehead in a lot of in a lot of places on the Broward County, especially in Broward County. Peacocks have gotten huge, <laughs> seven, eight, nine pounds, man. I'm th- I can't believe how big they are. When I lived in the first time I lived in Broward County, I was thrilled to get a two or three pounder. And that has really changed. Um, there's been a lot warmer weather. There's been almost no serious, serious cold fronts, and that's what it takes to knock them back. So um uh, you know, we'll get close to a record, I would have to imagine, here before too much longer because Lord knows it's hot this year. And there's no telling what the winter is going to bring. I mean, everybody predicts, well, it's going to be warm. And you don't know that. We have no idea what the winter is going to bring. Um, so we'll have to see what happens with those fish. And then there's the Florida Keys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am, I am, I have been for a very long time thoroughly addicted to the clear waters of the Florida Keys. I, I cannot begin to tell you what that does for my soul. Um, I've been uh, coming down here on a regular basis for 27 years now. Uh, Janelle and I met here in the Keys. We kept a boat in Isla Mirada for about three years. Uh, We fished Florida Bay extensively. Uh, But the thing that really intrigued us was just the beauty of the water. Um, It's incredible. It really is. Um, I love sight fishing, and that's something that... Florida Keys waters from, you know, where we are in Largo South. That's what it's all about is being able to go out and literally sight fish and cast to them. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's really, it's really flipped my switch. I'm much more interested in the fishing now. We took a recent kayak trip and that was a lot of fun. A toured uh, trip of Penny Camp that got me stirred up. And so I'm ready. I'm all ready. Next week, I'm going to do my best to get myself back out there and, and start working these, uh, these waterways that are around us. Um, uh, out in the open water right now, uh, people are still doing the dolphin thing, uh, mahi-mahi, uh, yellowtail snapper, really good bite on yellowtail snapper right now in reefs. And I'm seeing all kinds of fish. And, and the way you can judge that is by what's in the restaurants. You know, the people here do a lot of local seafood. So you see triple tail and stuff like that on a pretty regular basis, cobia, things like that. You're like, oh, so that must be what's happening out there because um, that's how it is. Um I think probably the the something that doesn't get talked a lot about around here is snook. Um, people do it. Um, they toss them back, even though it's technically open. Uh, but in most cases, the snook are, are released, and, and there's a reason for that. They're so damn big. <laughs> They're over slot. So you get a lot of snook that's just too big that's going to go back in the water. I mean to tell you, I have seen some monstrous pictures of some snook out of Florida Bay. Uh, folks are fishing the islands way up in the north up by uh, Flamingo and the outer western islands, and they're working those things hard on inbound and outbound tides. Um, local knowledge required. I'm not going to kid you. Um, I've been lucky enough to go with the guide a couple of times, and you really do have to know what you're doing out there to set yourself up perfectly for a big snook. But when you do, you're probably going to get one. So that's one of the big advantages of fishing in the Keys. But again, sight fishing is is really what I love about it. Some serious tips here. Go early, go late. Yeah, you heard it from me first. It's not always that the early bird gets the worm. 
not in salt water, because tides play a huge part in salt water. And if the tide is not at five or six or seven o'clock in the morning, then you're kind of working against, I don't know, you're just working against the gods. It's not going to work for you. Um, water has to be moving in most cases for saltwater fish to feed. That's just, that's just the way they are. So um, early bird does get the worm if you can match the water at the same time. So in other words, if you can get water moving on a very early tide right at first light, um, you're going to do extremely well. Same thing holds true for the evenings. You start to get there near sunset about an hour before. Uh, set yourself up. If the tide is good, you're going to do really, really well on fish with with moving water with that combination. So, so early, uh, early morning and early evening into the nighttime hours is is really what you want to look for. That's that's the number one. That's anywhere right now because as you move into fall. And things start cooling off. These fish react more to the water temperature, the fall of that temperature uh, in the morning, overnight in the morning, and again in the evening when it starts to drop again. So that's really what they're all about. Plus, a, a great many of our fish are, um, the bait is light sensitive. And the bait tends to to hunker a little bit, hunker down a little bit when when uh, the light is too bright. Whereas during that that twilight time and that and that first light in the morning, the bait tends to move around more. I guess it, I don't know if it feels safer or not. I haven't asked a bait, something we should probably find out, but I know that they move more in early morning and in the evening than they do during the day. They kind of just stay put, especially things like rain bait, which you'll find on the West coast and schooling bait that you'll find on the East coast and in the Florida keys. So keep that in mind. Um, another tip, if you're an artificial user, try bait, <laughs> shrimp and stuff. If you're a shrimp bait user, try artificials. Be willing to switch off. You'd be surprised. Um, something, you know, I'm not going to say that shrimp doesn't work because it does. And so does white bait, um, cut mullet, all kinds of stuff. Uh, something that stinks and smells and is natural out of the water, whether it's wiggling or dead or frozen works. There's no doubt about it. But Artificials do too, and artificials have an advantage in the early morning and in the evening, so please keep that in mind. The The colors are a little different. They're more subtle. Um, the things aren't as bright. The visibility of the of a bait that you're using, of an artificial that you're using, is not exactly the same as it is in the middle of the day, um, especially in, when you involve sunlight with it. So it's more of a silhouette kind of thing. And I have found that artificials do extremely well first thing in the morning and also really, really well in the evening as the sun's going down. You start to lose that glare. You start to lose that definition and the fish can't quite figure out, like, what is that moving? I'm going to hit it. I'm going to eat it right now before it moves away. So there you go. So don't be afraid to switch off. In the daytime hours when you're working those artificials and you're not having much luck, put some bait on. Just, just do it. Just get it over with. Get you a chunk of shrimp. Put it on a jig. Bounce it across the bottom. You'll probably catch the fish that are not going to hit the artificial. Again, they see better. The water can be clearer, clearer. Uh, you got lots of sunlight on top of the water. The fish goes, um, that don't look right. And, and they just won't do it. So please keep that in mind. That's something that you can actually do to really, really help uh, your catch ratio. Well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to try to do just fishing more often because people are sending me notes going, do just fishing again. Just we we'll just talk some fishing. Okay, so there you go. Got a little taste of it. I have no idea what I'm doing next week. I haven't even thought about it, but we'll we'll work something out. 
Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend and leave a review. My podcasts are scheduled each and every Tuesday. Catch Outdoors is presented by the Waypoint Podcast Network and is available on Waypoint and by many of your favorite podcast providers. Facebook page, Catch Outdoors. Website, waypointtv.com and catchoutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy.